This is the second Sunday in Lent. Um, we'll continue in Lent until the last Sunday in March, which will be Palm Sunday. And then the first Sunday of April will be Easter Sunday. I'm going to look at the Gospel reading today from Mark 8, 31 to 38. Jesus, take the wheel. Reading the passage from Eugene Peterson's translation, the message is paraphrase. Jesus warned them to keep, to keep it quiet, not to breathe the word of it to anyone. Then he began explaining things to them. It is necessary that the Son of Man proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, high priests, and religions, religion scholars, be killed, and after three days rise up alive. He said this simply and clearly so they couldn't miss it. But Peter grabbed him in protest, turning and seeing his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe. Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is my way, is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you, what could you ever trade your soul for? If any of you are embarrassed over me in the way I'm leading you when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of the holy angels. Nearly 30... Uh, that's the end of the read. Nearly 35 years ago, I preached my first sermon. The mother of these grandkids of mine who are with us today was three years old. Lori was three when I did my first sermon. We were home in Tuscaloosa visiting family from our two-year stay in Dallas. I was attending Christ for the Nations, a two-year evangelical charismatic Bible school. I selected my text from the same passage I read as the gospel reading for today, Mark 8, 31-38. Jesus tells the disciples that he will be arrested, tried, and killed by the powers that be, the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, along with the Sanhedrin Council in Jerusalem. Then after three days he will rise from the grave and live again. In this particular passage, because he repeats this this statement is repeated two more times, once in Mark chapter 9 and once in Mark chapter 10, about him telling the disciples that he was about to be killed and would be in the grave three days and then would rise again. He wanted to make sure they were prepared for that. But in this particular passage, the scripture says that Jesus spoke this so plainly that they could only, they couldn't miss it. They had to understand it. 
Peter gets it because he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Think about that for a second. Peter rebuking Jesus, the man he had just recently declared to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Are we all that much different from Peter? One minute professing how much we believe something to be true and the next minute trying hard to get what we want? Forgetting about the higher truth of the kingdom of God and what his priorities might be? Jesus stops Peter. He rebukes him in the most dramatic words we have of Jesus speaking to anyone who has believed or has the heart that is seeking for truth. He tells Peter to stop acting on behalf of Satan's agenda. Peter is striving against the purposes and plans of God in order to achieve what he wants, the thing Peter believes to be best for him and for Jesus. But Jesus explains that in order to excel as a disciple or a servant in the kingdom of God, one must be willing at times to accept suffering and not always try to take the path of least resistance, to not choose the easiest way forward. The New American Standard Bible, the verse says, when Jesus is speaking to Peter, you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. This sounds a whole lot like Paul's comment in Philippians as he is explaining why he decided to send his letter to the church in Philippi by Epaphroditus instead of Timothy. He describes Timothy as a man who is unique among everyone he knows. In chapter 2 of Philippians verses 20 and 21, Paul says about Timothy, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare for they all seek after their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. For years, when I first studied this passage, it depressed me and made me sad that Paul was surrounded by such immature and inwardly focused Christians. However, as I've grown older and seen more and learned more about myself and how broken every person is, I now see his statement is simply a description of what is, what is most common, not approving of it, but accepting it for what it is, the fallen human nature. Once again, we see the Apostle Peter in the spotlight. In almost every passage in the Gospel where his words or actions are the focus, he screws it up. That should give us hope. And after having done the worst thing possible, denying his faith in Jesus, claiming to not even know Jesus, we see Jesus reaching out to Peter after the resurrection to affirm him, to make sure, he, to make sure that Peter knows he is forgiven and has been restored to his place as a leader. What a wonderful Lord and Savior we have. Each time we blow it, he is there affirming us and making sure we know we're forgiven. He loves us just as we are, even when we are wrong. He loves us so much that he patiently draws us, stirs up within us the desire to do better. He never gives up on us, but is continually showing us how much he delights in us. He delights in who we are, a fearfully 
and wonderfully made creature, made in his image and bearing his likeness. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Let's quit fighting to keep ourselves in the driver's seat. You will find life is much more fulfilling and peaceful if you allow Jesus to take the wheel. Amen. Let's stand together and affirm our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.